AG1 is a comprehensive and convenient blend of over 70 high quality ingredients. And what that means is each morning when I wake up, before I do anything else, I drink AG1 to set me up for the day. It keeps me clear headed, full of energy and focused on whatever I need to do, like writing the fighting cock, for example. One scoop once a day before breakfast and that's it. I've actually found that I've not been needing coffee in the morning to get me started. I've still been drinking coffee because I love coffee, but it's not because it's like a necessity to do so. AG1 is made out of the highest quality ingredients subject to the strictest manufacturing standards. AG1 is NSF certified for sport and this process involves exhaustive testing and verification that every serving of AG1 is exactly what you see on the label. If you want to take ownership of your health, try AG1 and get a free one year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs for your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com forward slash the fighting cock. That's drinkag1.com forward slash the fighting cock to get started. And to help the podcast. Thank you very much. Have a great day and enjoy the show. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The Fighting Cock Podcast today, uh, we have a lot of interesting discussions. We've, we've talked about 36,000 people being naked at White Hart Lane, just very passionately clapping the end of the uh, era at White Hart Lane. And uh, Bardi, uh, unfortunately, talked about his incidents at boxing and women. And we have a man from the Football Sports Federation. <laughs> That's only been the first thing. Yes, exactly. But it was the third thing. It's the fight in. It's the fight in. Clock. It's the fight in. It's the fight in. Clock. A camel Season three. <laughs> Done it again. 34. <laughs> episode 34, season five. Of the Fighting Cock podcast. How is everyone doing this week? Not bad. Joined by Felonius Phil. Hello. We've got Bardi. Hello. I'm Flav. And Amanda Jacks from Football Supports Federation. Welcome, Hello. Amanda. Thank you, Flav. <laughs> How are you? I'm good, thank you. It's been a while Very since good. you've been on. It has, too long. How long? That's a year ish. Is it? Is or it did I come long? on earlier this season um, when no, that random like... woman walked into the shop? Uh, was it asking for bags? Yeah. bags. <laughs> no, no bags. Uh, we'll record now in Ball Street, so that won't actually happen. If it does happen, that'd be proper weird. Um, so, uh, just for people that might not have might have missed the last few podcasts that you've been on the Fighting Cock, you why not do a little intro? Okay, I work as a caseworker for the Football Supporters Federation. So, in that role, I work with police um, on match day policing. And I also up fans. absolutely yeah. <laughs> I do that an awful lot. Yeah, <laughs> no, definitely don't grass anyone up. Um, 
just like recently I went to Man United, Liverpool, Liverpool, Man United to observe the policing up there, which was very interesting. It's the Europa League time? Yes. Did you see the fight in the end? I did. Oh. Yeah, that was proper. Who won? Because <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about this and we thought, well, you've got some... I front... shouldn't be laughing. No, no, it was, it was appalling scenes. No, it was a joke. It was, okay. I'm, I'm, it's, right. you know. Uh, the, it, it is appalling scene. But if you, if you, if you... Uh, if you go into the away end and you display your, the colours of your own team, you expect a clump. It's society. That's not a law issue. That's just a cause and effect. Yeah. I mean, it, when they went in there, I'm sure they didn't think that they would walk out on unscathed. But suffice to say, that will go down, won't it, as legend amongst the Liverpool fans. Mm. And even the odd Man United fan might have a bit of grudging respect for that, although they would never admit it mm. in a million years. But it, it, it was more than handbags. It was proper oh, punches and I was standing there. It took a second or two for it to dawn on me what was actually happening. Because <laughs> yeah. I just sort of like saw this tussling. It's not thought, something you see. No, it's not. Yeah. It's not. And the police and the stewards were quite slow to react. In your role uh, at the FSF, uh, in that situation where someone's clearly hit, someone else, hit, hit another person, how do you approach that? Uh, as your role because you know someone's committed an offence but you still have to represent them is that right? or you just have to listen to their story yeah if they if I mean I didn't hear from them but had they rung me up I would have been entirely neutral completely non-judgmental because it's not for me to judge or anything else and just taken their details like I do everybody else and then referred them on to Melanie for representation but it was funny the police actually said if I wanted to stand with them on the dividing line I could but I said no because, A, it, it's a fine line, isn't it? All those supporters know I work with the police in situations like that. Yeah. If I'm actually there in amongst it, I think that sort of crosses the line. And I actually said to the police jokingly before the game, I said, if, it, if anything happens and I'm a witness to it, then feasibly you could call me as a witness and I really don't want that to happen for obvious reasons. So yeah, yeah. I was standing pitch level between the home fans and the away fans looking up at what happened. But you know what, you know, I was standing there, I was just thinking, you know, this father walked out with his disabled kid and there were seats flying down. And at the time, I have to say, I was just looking, thinking, what the, really, is, is this really happening? Because yeah. kind of the red mist comes down a tiny bit because my I spent my working life defending supporters and say no they're not that bad and da 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 and then that instance like that's to some extent undermine what I do yeah. but in the morning my knees stopped jerking and I just thought right there were seven what's the capacity 74,000 odd yeah 73,900 odd fans behave themselves mm-hmm. so let's focus on them and let's not to get carried away about what happened because it is isolated and it's, it's very rare and, you know, I'm not going to join in the media hype that inevitably follows around that sort of incident. Um, so just give us a, an example of like a, a, an obvious thing that might happen so that if someone's listened to this and been in a situation, why would they contact you? An awful lot of fans don't bother getting legal advice. A, they think they can't afford it. And to be fair, they may well be right because some solicitors do charge an absolute arm and a leg. They might think, uh, well, I'm guilty, so I may as well just go to court and plead guilty and get it over with. Mm. Or they might think, I I can defend myself. But it's just so, so, so important to get legal advice and representation. Even if you are guilty, having a solicitor in court, they can mitigate for you. And even though you're going to be convicted, if you plead guilty, a solicitor may help you avoid a banning order, which might not actually be warranted. Right. And Melanie's so fantastic. Who, you know, who's Melanie? Melanie Cook is a solicitor, and I 
very long story about how her and I met. I won't bore you now with it. But suffice to say, she has now got her own firm called Football Law Associates yeah. because football is such a niche part of the law. You know, there's so much legislation affecting fans. So she now represents probably about 90% of her business is representing football fans. So mm. she is, it's not an exaggeration to say that she's a leading lawyer in the country when it comes to football-related legislation. Was she involved in defending the three fans from Tottenham who got yes, arrested she for was, yeah. Saying the word you didn't yes. say them. Yeah, that was her. And a barrister called Alison Gurdon, yeah. who is also a football specialist. I mean, you know how it works. A solicitor has to instruct a barrister. Yeah. So Alison and Melanie work very closely together. And I'm <clears throat> kind of like the middle woman. Come to me first. I take all your details, reassure you that you're not actually going to go to prison if you've been charged with Section 5 public order. Yeah. And, you know, the fact that I do that can often help Melanie because I've got my finger on the pulse so I know what's happening where I, and I can help the fan, you know, with, with the basics of what to expect in court. And it also saves Melanie a huge amount of time if I'm getting all the initial details from the supporter. All right, so we're going to come on to a lot more about yes, uh, the football sorry, sports because there's the no show. football to talk about. No, 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 it's good. It's just we're going to go into a little bit more detail and ask you some questions, hopefully some difficult questions that you'll struggle to answer I, regarding the, the Fair Cop Twitter account yeah. that you run. Uh, and the different situations you found yourself in and, and what, what football fans can do if they find themselves on the wrong side of the police or stewards or club. Anyway, let's uh, let's talk about England. We all like England, don't we? Mm, yeah. Oh, you well, don't. Barty's like, one of them born in England, raised in England, support Italy type. Snake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can't oh, help my it. dad's Italian. Uh. Uh, everyone's, dad, everyone's dad has the biggest influence on who they support. Right. And um, you know because of your dad. And yeah. With my dad, he's never supported England. He's Italian, and I just grew up. You don't have to defend yourself. Well, I'm, I'm, you I'm, I'm going to defend myself. He always fights. That's why I love my him up. <laughs> no, I've, I've got an issue with it because I'm sick of fucking hearing the, the jibes in, in in the WhatsApp group and whatnot. Like if no, England has a bad, no, I, I could and, and and the little comments about Italy or have you seen this player, an Italian player? Like every opportunity to worm Italian culture into there's my a, WhatsApp. There's group. a bloke called. You, um, you do it. There's a bloke called James Horncastle who. Um, when he talks about Italian football, he always like, exaggerates how, to, how he pronounces their name. That, that's, that's Bardi. Yeah, Bardi does that. Well, he doesn't know. exaggerate. That's, how they, that's the proper way to say it. No, he just exaggerates. He's English, I am really. part Italian, so I'm allowed to <coughs> throw an accent in yeah. every now and then. No, Do you sorry. speak Italian? I used to speak it perfectly. Oh. I can get away. If you, if you parachute me into Italy, I'd survive. I'd Do right. you understand more than you can speak? Yeah. yeah. That, it's like, that it's that like my it. Spanish as well. Because yeah. I'm trying to learn Spanish as well. I think it's just got kind of mixed up into like some weird... Spanglish Italian thing it's a, bit, a little bit mad but you but. did you watch the game? Um, I watched the Holland game I was in Amsterdam on Saturday on Friday Saturday so oh, I missed right. the um, I missed the England is game. that why we kept getting pictures of you eating eggs? I wasn't was I eating eggs? <laughs> you went to such an egg omelette oh yeah yeah I went to a really nice omelette place I gotta yeah. give a big shout out to Paul King um, who's um, he knows his food and he he sent me to the, some of the best restaurants. Um, and he, actually, that's fair enough. And he's he, a he big, to the big pod, listener and buys all the fanzines and stuff. I was, I, I kind of, feel, I think I said something a year ago. It's almost a year ago today to the day when uh, Townsend scored against Italy. Actually, I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. Townsend scored against Italy, and we had Mason <laughs> Walker, uh, Walker, Kane, Kane on the pitch. Yeah, it was them four. Yeah, Mason Walker, Kane, Townsend, Townsend. A year ago, a year to the day, almost. I mean, that, that result in Germany where you had, you know, Kane scoring. <coughs> Vardy's goal was amazing, but Kane's yeah. I thought was better, obviously. Uh, and that bullet header from Dyer is just. I couldn't quite believe it when Dyer rose to, to meet that uh, and uh, 
uh, the ball met his head and flew into the net. I didn't watch the game, so I can't even say. Amanda, are you enjoying this conversation? Yeah, I'm fine. Because, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, full disclosure, Amanda does support West Ham and she does such a good job at the FSF and, and such an impact on the, on the players that there's no issue that you come into this inner circle, <laughs> just, just for the record. I'm so honoured. Inner sanctum. <laughs> yeah, but um, you will have to put up with this sort of no, conversation. That's fine. <laughs> um, there was a lot of stuff on Twitter that I saw that a lot of people were talking about England again with a quite a lot of pride. And as someone who doesn't support England, it's kind, it's kind of strange that the last 10 years I've been quite happy not supporting them because they're <coughs> full of wankers. But now it's so Tottenham heavy, it reminds me of like the 90 team where I'm starting to, I'm starting to like England again. It's not, I'm not glory hunting or anything because you're not going to win it. But I, like, I start to like England because it's, it's actually Tottenham. Now. What happens? What happens? Right, because obviously Italy are pony, aren't they? At the moment, they're not great. Yeah, yeah not great. Is it all right? Not great pony sort of thing. <laughs> uh, Pella's your like, talisman. Uh, yeah, I don't get me started. Anymore. Anyway, so uh, what happens in, in the summer when obviously England. March on to European glory. Are you not gonna? Are you not gonna get caught up in it all? Because we won't allow you. By the way, no, you won't I'm be able not, to come I'm in our clique when we're, we're watching England play. Well, I used to think. <laughs> I, I, say, I say I say clique ironically. I don't actually say use that word. Well, I used to think that I would emigrate if England ever won the World Cup. Really? Yeah, because I don't. I couldn't handle it. But Why um, don't you emigrate? <laughs> <laughs> This is England. We're talking about the England team. But I'm, Eng- I don't <laughs> England. I'm English. I'm English. You're clearly oh, not. North London, born and raised. But, um, Why does Barney always get so stick when he comes out <laughs> here? It's horrible, isn't it? It's unfair. But I support, I support. When it comes to football, I support Italy, you know? Nah, that's fair enough. I'm only, I'm only putting your leg, mate. But I mean, what annoys me about, about England is that um, I heard someone say, Why didn't we put the same 11 against the Netherlands? Which is the following game. Yeah. And these friendlies are about trying things out, trying out formations, trying out players. It's all just um, experiment. It's all just experimenting. I mean, um, it's not about the results. It's just about seeing players, different formations, seeing what players can do. But um, from a Tottenham point of view, Saturday did feel lots of a lot of pride. Because every time we play Germany, it's a big deal regardless. And Saturday showed that. Uh, how strong was Germany's team? They were missing. They were missing a couple of um, defenders. Yeah, but um, yeah, Chan started. They, they smashed Italy in the next game. So, yeah. <laughs> well, so, so there is something in that performance, perhaps. What did you think of it? Did you watch it, Amanda? I watched the England Germany game. Yeah, it's quite impressive. Yeah, it was good. But the game the other night, I say I watched it. It was on, mm. and you know, if you if a game's on in the background and you're not overly bothered, you. The crowd will make you look up, won't it, and see what's happening. There's no noise, was there? No. I don't think I looked up more than about once in each half. The fans, the fans in Germany were 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 incredible. England fans, the the volume yeah. inside that, I and mean, that's the first time I've ever heard of German support being outsung by anyone in their well, own the, country. The, the lower leagues, big doubt for them, you know. That's a bit patronising. <laughs> don't care. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I love tea. Two expressions from tea that I love is no and don't care. Uh, um, was you a bit upset that Creswell and Noble didn't make it? No. They're not good enough, really, are they? Oh. Oh. Noble had a good testimony. Yeah, no, it was brilliant. The Aston girl was nice. I, I did think Noble's testimonial was a bit like, you know, when you. Well, it never happened to me, but like you wouldn't get invited to like the popular guy's party. <laughs> it never happened to me. But when you you always see it down the road, someone else having like an uncle. A better party. party. Yeah, Noble was having. Noble was like, oh, let's throw him a little party just because he wasn't in the England team. I, you want I, to punch I, him? I like to think. No, punch I don't do punching. I like to think, though, that Noble's that sort of player that. People, even if they don't like him, they've got a certain grudging 
yeah. respect for him, whoever you support. Yeah. You'd like to think that, Amanda. You would like to think that. I, I, would, I will always be grateful <laughs> when he missed that penalty. Uh, last was it last season start? Yeah, when we be, when be the this one isn't this isn't let's needle around the podcast, Sorry. is it? Let's, let's you know she's, she's come here to do <laughs> she's come here to do uh, a, a good thing, um, but uh, you know you are West Ham first. I am, um, yeah, Sorry. which is the way it should be. Why am I apologising? No, I don't apologise. No, you do should, I? Don't don't absolutely apologize. not. I'm going to rip that shirt down and put it on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there is a bizarrely yeah. a West Ham. Don't Yeah, the body's. That's his, that's his saying, he's never apologised. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, so... Unless it's really bad. <laughs> unless it's really bad. Yeah, unless you've done something really bad. Yeah, yeah. Never apologise for an opinion. Just Come give on. me the eyes. Just give me the eyes. Uh, Trippier and Davies uh, look likely to start against Liverpool, given the fact that Hodgson used Walker and Rose at full-back. I was a bit angry at that. Rose played on against Germany. I know we are a bit short in left-backs, obviously, other than Rose. Cresswell. Maybe Cresswell. <laughs> we, we, uh, it was, why did he play two games? Why didn't he, why did he leave Cresswell out if he was going to play Rose twice? It seemed mental. doesn't want to look at him, does he? Obviously he knows what left-back he's going to pick. Yeah. It's not worth picking a player just for the sake of it. I mean, well, if Cresswell... Give him a rest so that we don't have to rest him against in probably our uh, biggest game of the season. Sometimes footballers are better when they have more games, they're more match-sharp, you know, glass-half form. I mean, there's a lot of Spurs fans moaning on um, Tuesday when I think all of our players are on the pitch at the end. Um, Dyer, Ali, Kane, all on the pitch at the end, and Walker as well. Mm. But ultimately, Touchwood, none of them got injured, and it's, and it's, and it's OK. Yeah. Yeah, what do you think? Well, I, I, I personally, Hodgson's never going to experiment. He's not the most kind of ambitious of coaches. He should have when... Um, who is it that pulled out? It was um, Bertrand. He should have called up Cresswell, to be honest. But, um, but he's, not he gonna, he's not going to play in the Euros, so what's the point but of But you never him know. Up? You can do your knee. Like Butland, all it takes is one, one I mean, dodgy move. I remember back in 1992, we had um, Keith Curl at right-back playing for England because about five England right-backs got injured. I think Lee Dixon was jogging in the park and fucked his knee up. I think there's some kind of like errant tree trunk that he smashed his knee on. I mean, barring a situation like that, then... I don't see a point of him picking players at this point who won't make the Euros squad. I mean, it's, it's, it's not really it's a kind of a redundant point. Rose didn't get injured. I think he'll still play against Liverpool. And um, I think we'll be all right. The, the most important thing was they all went away on international duty and nobody came back injured, really. How do you feel about the Liverpool game coming? How big is it? I don't How... think we'll win. Right. Great. I think, uh... I think, we're, I think we'll beat them. I think... They've got their eyes on Dortmund. Yeah, They've got their eyes big time on Dortmund. That's their like how we were at the start of the season where the Europa League was our only route to the Champions League. I think their only way into the Champions League realistically is is beating Dortmund and winning that competition. So I, I think he's going to rest a lot. So of they games. they play Dortmund what four three days four days after yeah. yeah. So you need rest players. I think well so. Coutinho. I mean I think um, Kalology, the guy's on Twitter said um, that. Coutinho won't play the full 90 and Firmino's unlikely to play. So, yeah, I guess it will be a much-changed team. But I just think our record at Anfield is just fucking terrible. Every time we play, Liverpool always seem to raise their game. I mean, yeah, no matter how team. bad their form this is. This is new Tottenham, new and, Tottenham. New, and new Liverpool. It's the same Tottenham. That Liverpool defence <laughs> is the same Tottenham. Nothing's changed. Man. Liverpool defence is weak. Southampton showed that. You can get. They were on a good run before that, though. Yeah, they were. To be fair. You stop picking up Liverpool, please. I'm not big enough, Liverpool. Fuck them. Um, You're getting in amongst them. You will we'll, we'll be. How, how are you dealing with this uh, this this run into the title now? Because I, I'm I'm starting to lose it a little bit. Like, I, 
I'm forcing myself not to think about it. And it's really hard when your day job is, is to have to talk about this sort of stuff. So yeah, you, know, you prepare for the best, expect the worst. I've been a Tottenham fan, and yeah, that's what I'm. That's what I'm doing. No, yeah, no. I'm, I, if if it all crumbles, then I'm back in my comfort zone. Well, as long as I don't finish fifth, then that'd be like that'd be <laughs> awful. But barring that, I'd be. F- I met I met a geezer called James Fox, a lovely guy from uh, today earlier today. We went for beer, and uh, he. Um, what the fuck did he say? Something good. Stuck in my head, now it's gone. <laughs> really good then. Yeah, no, he, he's, uh, he said actually it'd be better to fall away to uh, if we're good, if we're not going to win the league, it'll be better to kind of drift away to third or fourth and, and not go through the hell of losing it in the last last day of the season. No, we can, if you want, you want to lose it in the last day of the season. You want to up your level of of of, of, of misery. No, of, of it's like a, an armor. It, it, every single time we go through a, a heartbreak, it's a little piece of armor that protects us for the next one. I was this, more nothing st- will protect us from this. I was more stressed a month ago than than I am now. Yeah, the West Ham game was very stressful. After, yeah, I was <laughs> really enough, stressed in the West stressed. Ham game. If we we lost to West Ham and it was kind of like uh, I, I don't want to give West Ham like the the credit that they might have derailed us. They done they done excellently. That West Ham game and that Arsenal game coming away with only one point out of those two will probably end up costing us. So I'm okay now with not winning the league as long as we finish above Arsenal. Amanda, what's your understanding of the hatred from West Ham to, towards Tottenham? You know, based on the conversations you've had, why why do they hate us so much? I really don't know. I think Millwall's obviously our biggest yeah, rival. That stands and, to reason. Not played Millwall for many, many, many years, and when we did briefly play them, that was just a blip in our long history. Yeah. I think there's a some fans identify with how much they love their club by how much they hate another club. I can if, identify if with that, that. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. I th- you're geographically close to us. Where it's come from, I really don't know. Well, I think it's hooliganism. Possibly. Yeah. I think same with Chelsea. Same with the Chelsea hatred. It's all it's funny that no one hates Arsenal in that respect. Then. No, no. Um, Chelsea Arsenal. and Arsenal have kind of gone a bit more, a bit more rivalry over the last 15, 20 years because they were primarily the best teams in London. So them two would be fighting out. But no, I, I, been... I think it will change when we both move into our new stadiums. Like, like I was saying earlier, I've been up to Man United, Liverpool, and yeah, the hatred's there, but their support is so diluted. Mm. On both sides, and I think that's calmed things down yeah. quite. I mean, the vitriol's still there, yeah. absolutely, but the threat of a punch up, not so much. Um, and I think that's what will happen to us. With the Liverpool Man United thing rivalry, I don't get an accept. Really. It's, it's similar it, to the West Ham Mall rivalry because um, they're both on the coast, <coughs> and I think it's to do with shipping. Like, I think um, when Manchester grew. As an industrial giant, yeah. that took a lot of Liverpool's business, and that's why the cities have rivalry, that, and, and, and it's spilled over to the football. The same thing in Millwall and, and West Ham. But it's really, really on the docks. On the yeah. docks. But really, that rivalry does—that's <laughs> yeah. true. That's true. Yeah. That's true. What you said, but it doesn't necessarily. It's really about the because they were both kind of uh, trying to usurp each other on the pitch. That's where the most of that hatred comes from. I yeah, think. but Manchester United hate um, Leeds as well. But Leeds aren't that like, good anymore. So it's, but, but, but again, you know, like I was saying about if you talk to some West Ham fans, they, they have no idea where this rivalry has come from. They just hate it, it. It's Millwall. Yeah. And, and the same, you talk to some United fans and they too are slightly baffled by this whole Liverpool thing. And as far as they're concerned, they, they reserve all of their hatred for City. Mm. I would love it if West Ham finished fourth. I know, and I shouldn't really say this, but <laughs> if West Ham finished fourth, then I don't know, Man United and Man City didn't get in the top four. That'd just be amusing. Just <laughs> West Ham, Tottenham, and Leicester in the Champions League. To be honest, I don't mind. I don't mind seeing that, and I'd, I'd mix it up, change it up a little bit. 
the refreshing thing when Spurs qualified for the Champions League is we were a little bit different. It wasn't the same old tired faces every year. So that top four, I don't mind that. That coefficient is fucked next year. I don't give a fuck about it's that. Fuck I don't care. Nor do I, nor do I, but <laughs> Arsenal care. And if it's Leicester, Tottenham and West, because let's face it, no matter how good a season we've all had, none of us are you know, going to win this Champions League, are they? We never Leicester could. Leicester are not going to win it anyway. I've actually better made that Leicester make it out of the Champions League group. And if Leicester win the league, then they'll, get, they'll be seeded and they'll be seeded, yeah. might get a favourable group. That's not a bad bet at all. So um, going into this Liverpool game, what, what, how do you think Pochettino will set up? Because he, he has a, um, a history of not playing the best team that we, what are the best team on paper, based on you know, players' fatigue or alleged fatigue. Not in the league so much, though. Do you not think? I've seen him play. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Bridges and Trippier started at the weekend. I know we're going back to the fullbacks, but based on these, I think the biggest issue for this game, and I think Bart is probably going to say this in a minute, was <coughs> is, is, is um, Eric Dial. He's if he gets the booking, he misses the next two games, which will be United at home and Stoke away, which are two tough games. Mm. And I think that may affect how we approach the game because normally Dial is always good for a tactical foul. And um, on Saturday, I think he might be a bit reticent to to get that booking. Yeah, it was um, Klopp's first game in charge of Liverpool was Tottenham yeah. at White Hart Lane, wasn't it? And you saw the way he set them up. They came out, they came out after us. Like maniacs. They maniacs. It was unsustainable pressure. For twenty minutes. Yeah. I, I think if we can get an early goal and sustain, like live with that pressing, we'll be all right. They'll fall away. It's a case of who, whose pressing game works the best, I think. Yeah. And with, I don't want to tempt fate, but ours has been consistent all season, apart from West Ham, where it kind of fell apart a bit. That, that weakened, <laughs> we played a bit of a weakened team that game as well. Yeah, that they was did, the reason. They did a number on us. So I, I think I've said at the time, they did a number on us. They, they, they beat us fair. So in your mind's eye, when you think about the game going forward, how do you see it playing out? Um, is it, it's one of the ones I can't call it. I, I'm not confident going into it. Although, you know, although given the way Spurs have played this season, it feels like we should be confident. We shouldn't fear anybody. We haven't been done over, turned over at all this year, really, apart from Dortmund away. So there's no reason why we shouldn't. They are inconsistent. They did let a, was it a three-one goal? It was two-nil. Two-nil slip. Yeah. So you know, there's, there's. You said slipped in Liverpool. That made me laugh. <laughs> if they play, if they play Lovren at the back. There's a chance. <coughs> well, I, I, I deleted his Twitter account. I was talking <laughs> to Redmen TV, and they, they, they've been they've been really impressed with his performances since, <laughs> since Klopp took over. He said Bart Byron and Southampton. Yeah. He's a very good defender. To be fair, I mean, twenty minutes might be a bit steep, but. As, as for the game, I think if we do... I mean, the next three games are the ones that everyone's really talking about. If we can get, if we can win all three of those games, then I'll be very optimistic about winning the league. But it, I just don't know. I just, I, just always, I just see Liverpool always raising their game against us because they, they hate us because they, we're where they want to be. Yeah. And I could see them raising their game. But on paper, we should be beating them 3-1. Yeah. I should we beat them we should, we should beat them. I think we need to win six games. We can afford to lose one, draw one, and win six. That will that will give us a, like a seventy percent chance of winning the league. Apparently, really? Yeah, but Leicester well, based on previous. But if we win, no, so if Leicester don't don't stop win, Leicester yeah. stop winning. Leicester needs to stop winning. That's, that's well, they've got West Ham and Southampton in the next two games. So those, but they're both at home. So oh, I don't know. We'll see. Who knows. Um, okay, well, just to round up this very kind of hodgepodge first half, because it's clear that we have nothing to talk about. <laughs> I think we've quite scraped past that. That was a low point in the fighting cock, in my opinion. Well, this, <laughs> this half has been lower points. Well, in what, what do you mean? What, what are the things that we've said? Yeah. 
Well, you're, yeah, those are mo- they were those are momentary slips. <laughs> this is uh, this has been thirty minutes of sustained shit. <laughs> solid. I think mean, that was a solid. Preview. I'm only mucking about. I'm only mucking. Uh, so we've so been I'm linked. Gonna, gonna hang myself. Now. <laughs> <laughs> or call calm after. The, this is um, uh, we've been linked with. Who's the the Marseille the, the Belgian striker? Yeah. No, what's his name? No, what's his name? But Shuri. Is it? Yeah. Nice work. Batashuri. But no, yes, no. What is it? Batshuri. Batshuri, yeah. Uh, I've never seen him play. I, I've never seen him, but he's got like a foreign-sounding name, so he must be good. Well, Marseille didn't they um, loan Stephen Fletcher in the, in the January transfer window? So yeah. Not as a replacement. As a well, as of course. They've used him to replace him. Yeah. Stephen Fletcher used to play for... Sunderland. Sunderland, yeah. never West Ham. No. no. That's ridiculous. No, no, no. Not yet. They had a Fletcher, but it wasn't Stephen. Yeah, Carl. Is it? Dropping the knowledge, nice. Flav. Dropping the knowledge. Bring it back there, didn't I? Um, yeah, I don't know anything about him. Don't know why I brought him up. Uh, hopefully he's good if we sign him, eh? Well, yeah, I think um, we're looking at a geezer from Madrid. Begins with a K, is it Kovacic? Have I said the name wrong? <laughs> the midfielder? Yeah, him. Yeah, the insight. He's, he's good. He's from... Um, it's, it's a difficult one to pronounce, but he was at Inter. Yeah. And he, I think he went to Real Madrid too early. Shouldn't have gone there. What? But he's, he's a nice... nice you know, technical, very gifted midfielder. And how about Morata? I love Morata. Yeah, I'd love to sign Morata. He he's, he is, he came from Real. Real he Madrid, did, yeah. yeah. And he joined joined Juve and he knocked him out of the Champions League last season. Yeah. He's and, great. I'd love him. And how how is he how is he doing? Is it this season? Because he's not just well, been on and off in it. It's it's on and off because you got Dybala and then they kind of like got Manjucic Manjucic and. Um, and Murata kind of playing for that other role. I want to buy him, Dibola. I like him. I've seen him play a couple of times. Yeah, we haven't got 50 million. Okay. Okay, that's it from the first half of the Fighting Cock podcast. Uh, now we have Windy, but after that, plenty of chat about um, the Football Sports Federation and, and, and fans. And, Windy's half time bit is actually pretty good this week. Oh, yeah, he's uh, changed it up, hasn't he? Yeah, he talks about, does a, does a good um, roundup on, on Yedlin. Uh, all right. Talks about Jack Rhodes as well. So, yeah. Stop spoiling. Yeah, you've just spoiled all these people. I don't give a fuck. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's the title of this week's pod. <laughs> don't care. <laughs> don't care. Yeah. Windy, back to draw the fucking knowledge, blood. I see you, I've got your back. Hi, this is Windy with the youth update. Um, usual format. Loneys, under-18s, under-21s, questions, end. So, loanies. Quiet week due to the international break. So I thought I would give a little update on DeAndre Yedlin's progress. Now, I've not seen much of him, so I started to do some research and noticed that someone's basically done my work for me. Someone on the Sunderland Reddit had asked about his progress. Now, there aren't an awful lot of replies, I must admit, but here are some of them. So, user Chet Lemon says, I still prefer Billy Jones, a bit stronger and more aware. Ernie Bacon replies, definitely don't prefer Jones, bar the occasional brackets, very infrequent, close brackets, moment of quality. He's been stuck between fine and appalling since he joined us, and he's 29, so he doesn't even have potential upside of being young, baffled why he brought him in the first place. Green Sky Fish says about Yedlin, Overall, still pretty meh, and you would want more in a right-back. But in terms of a trajectory from where he started for the club, he definitely has improved quite a bit. He still needs time. Svanir Perish says, Improved a great deal defensively the last few months, but overall he is still just okay. In inverted commas. Okay. Need another year starting for a bottom PL club or a top championship side to really start potentially looking like a quality defender at this level. 
to which Blizzraven27 says, So who's staying at Sunderland? Lol. JK. I hope you guys stay up. Moving on to the under-18s. There were no league matches, but we did send an under-19 squad to Dusseldorf in Germany to take part in the under-19 Champions Trophy. We finished fourth overall with two wins, three losses and one draw. I watched quite a lot of the tournament, either live or on catch-up. The matches were two 25-minute halves, so they were quite easy to watch. It wasn't great from Spurs, to be honest. We were missing a lot of key players due to the international call-ups, and it wasn't the strongest squad we could have taken. But the performances were overall fairly disappointing. The good players, I thought, were George Marsh, who played a lot of games in central midfield. He's a defensive midfielder, and he was very calm and composed on the ball, made lots of important challenges, and generally was a steady steady presence at the base of the midfield. Jack Rolls, who plays the 10 mostly, who's our most creative player and did really well. And Nick Sarula, who is a left-back. I was very impressed with him. He worked really hard, a very swashbuckling player, uh, getting up and down the line. And the pleasing thing was that those three were three of the younger players. Sarula was the third youngest in the squad, Rolls was the fifth youngest, and George Marsh is 17 as well. So really pleasing to see them do well. The disappointing thing was that the under-21s who dropped down weren't great. Um... I won't name names, but you can find out for yourself. And they didn't really... They they were pretty poor overall. So, fourth was probably about right. Shame that we lost more than we won, but um, it's understandable with so many players missing. The under-21s next match is at the Lamech Stadium in Stevenage next Wednesday. That's the 6th of April, where we play Middlesbrough under-21s. Middlesbrough are a very good academy side. Um, or a very good academy with two good academy sides, generally. Uh, I have a question from Luke Henry, Hung Min Henry, on Twitter. He says, Hi, Wendy. Love your work on the fighting cock, as well as your focus and knowledge of youth. Thanks, Luke. I'll give you that tenner later. I was wondering if you would answer a request of mine, either on the show or here, if that's okay. Could you do a profile on Spurs' under-18 midfield player Jack Rolls? The lad appears to ooze quality from what I've read or seen whenever his name pops up. But I don't know too much about him, or a lot of the under-18s for that matter, other than reputations and names. Thank you very much for taking time to read this request. Keep up the great work on the fighting cock, and of course, come on your spurs. Thanks, Luke, for your kind words and your question. More than happy to speak a bit about Jack Rolls, who is a player I like so far. Um, he hasn't had an awful lot of game time. He wasn't in the team at the start of the year. I was slightly surprised by that, as I felt that our under-18 midfield was not the best. He's now 17, um, he's getting much more game time, and like I said, he was one of the standout performers for me in the Under-19 tournament. He's a player who plays generally as a 10, but can play as a sort of breaking midfield of a number 8. He is quite creative, good good number of uh, through passes, certainly attempts at through passes. He does score goals, he arrives late in the box well, and he had a really good scoring record last season, and he seems to have the right attitude. He's definitely got a bit of a mean streak as well, a bit of a Deli Alley about him, where he will make the occasional late challenge or a cynical challenge when tracking back. But that's not necessarily a bad thing, as we've seen with Ali. I think Rolls is one to watch over the coming couple of years. Um, he's not an outstanding talent, but I think he's got the right attributes to give himself a fighting chance of 
making, uh, certainly doing well in the under-21 team, and then who knows where that can lead. So keep your eye on Jack Rolls. That's it for this week. If you're interested in more young players, follow me on Twitter at WindyCoys. That's Coys for Come On You Spurs. Second half of the Fine God podcast, pretty much windy. Cheers, mate. Doing a bit of a different style this time. That good roundup. That was really good. Yeah, it was good. Like, we really just listened good. to it. <laughs> yeah, 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 cheers. Mate. I just sat around and listened to it. <laughs> yeah, great. really good. Well done, Wendy. Yeah, good job. Good job. Um, yeah, so we touched a little bit about your role in the first half, Amanda, and um, it's such an important thing because fans for a long time have been treated like animals. It's like the minute you go, you walk towards or, or travel towards a football stadium, you're suddenly treated as a second-class citizen and it almost feels like a cliche to say it out loud but it's true, isn't it? it? Yeah, it is but it is true but the reality is most fans go to a match without any dealings with the police or the stewards but there's like groups of young males in particular do get targeted a lot on what they wear. I wrote a blog last year called Dedicated Followers of Fashion. Okay. Um, you know, the Adidas trainers and all the designer gear. Stone um, Island. Not, not not necessarily Stone Island. <laughs> but, Stone Island. Uh, did you see that picture of a three-year-old on Stone Island it on Twitter? Yeah. 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 <laughs> what, nursery at one, West Ham away at three. three. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, th- th- these groups of young men, I wouldn't call them risk fans. That isn't to say if trouble came to them, they couldn't defend themselves. But, you know, the number of times I hear from 18, 19, 21-year-olds, they get off a train, they're sort of corralled by the police, they're filmed, they're asked to give their details to camera... Um, and, and just sort of subject to undue police attention. Mm. And I think part of the reason why it still goes on is because football fans very, very rarely challenge the police. I was saying to you earlier, we've got a potential case at the moment where Wrexham fans were travelling to Grimsby at the weekend and there were 60 <coughs> of them on a coach. And um, the police <coughs> tailed the coach for a couple of miles, pulled the coach over and said there were 60 blokes on it, um, maybe a couple of women, there was a 12-year-old. They got on the coach and said, right, please cooperate with us. We want to get all your names and addresses. We're going to film you. If you cooperate, you'll go on to the game. So they got all these blokes off the coach, took all of their details. A few of them were apparently saying, well, you know, what's going on? Why should we give you our details? But they were shouted down, no, 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 let's just cooperate because all we want to do is get to the match. And then the Wrexham local police turned up, and I'm not quite sure what happened after that. But suffice to say, the police said, you're not actually going to the game now. We've got all of your details. We're dispersing you, and you've got to go back to Wrexham. And the police escorted them for about 40, 45 So they took minutes. their details. Took Something their happened details. and then yeah. said, you're not going to the game. Yeah. The, the police found a very, very small amount of alcohol on the bus. Um, the coach driver apparently was very, very strict because it's illegal to drink on the coach to the game. Yeah. Um, maybe a couple of cans of beer, small can of um, bottle of whiskey. Yeah. Not anywhere near enough for the police to justify taking the details of 60 people police, and eh? sending them back to Wrexham. What's the, what's yeah. the law on, on a police officer stopping you on the way to a game and asking for your details and asking to film you? They can ask for your details if they think you have committed antisocial behaviour, but that's about it. So in that perspective, in that, that instance, they may have seen someone take a swig from a can or something like that through a window or said that they had? Possibly. It, it's, I, I've 
don't really want to speculate on the whys and the wherefores. But again, I don't know, probably most of your listeners will be blissfully unaware, but there's something called the Traffic Commissioner, and the Traffic Commissioner has issued guidelines for football fans travelling to and from a game on a coach. And those guidelines are incredibly draconian. Mm. Um, The coach operator has to tell the police that they're taking football fans to a game. They don't have to give the personal details, but it's just enough to say, right, I've got 50 Spurs fans taking them up to Stoke. And then um, the police can say, um, define the route that you should take. And you're not allowed to arrive any more than two hours before the game. You have to leave an hour after the game. And the guidelines actually say if you want to stop at a pub en route, you have to ask the police's permission. And if you want to drink, you can only drink with a substantial meal, which is all just so Orwellian and... This yeah. is just applies to football fans. And just football fans, yeah. I mean, just the other, the other day, I mean, there was rugby fans who had the had the scrap. Did you see it? Yeah. yeah. You know, and I mean, there's a question here. I mean, um, I mean, there are violent scenes at a rugby league match over the weekend, but the language used in the media was completely different to it. I mean, if it had been football fans, it'd have been portrayed as thugs. I mean, how do you? Well, I, like I that? tweeted that. Yeah. I tweeted the exact same. A link to the BBC article, and you know, note the tone of the reporting. There was no quote from the police. Um, there was no mention of arrests or prosecutions. I think yesterday the Guardian reported that GMP or West no, it's West Yorkshire, wasn't it? So it's in Yorkshire. Mm-hmm. Are now looking at the CCTV. Um, but there was one picture in the Daily Mail of a rugby player. I don't read the Daily Mail. I just like the pictures of the celebrities um, <laughs> of, of, um, <laughs> of a rugby player with a fan on the floor and he had him round the throat like that and now we this, all know don't a... we if that had been a football match that David Cameron probably would have weighed in with, yeah. with yeah. his views on it I mean this to give that some context there was the, the, the family of that rugby player in the ground being around that that fracas so you can understand he's iry when uh, you know he oh completely understand it and I think a but... woman had a small child with her and <coughs> the, the, the point the point's valid though isn't it because it would have garnered so much more absolutely attention. yeah um, yeah it's 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 an great it's it's a frustrating thing I mean we we had a similar experience myself and Barty and we won't go into detail again but you know the Dortmund game where Spurs fans in my opinion were treated awfully yeah. but because we're football fans. The fact that 17 people got injured, um, it's just part of the course. For them, it's just it's just what happens. That was that was the problem with it. It was just like no no regard or anything yeah. to our well-being. It was just they're football fans. They're English. They're away from home. They're in Europe. It's kind of what happens. Which is it's not it's not really the right way. Do you ever see a future where the police and uh, the how football fans are? And looked after will change. Do you ever see a change? It's changing now. You know, I've been doing this job for five years full time, and about three years prior, um, a volunteer. And the policing has got much, much better. And in London, the Met now are not policing anywhere near as many games as they were. I don't know what it's like at White Hart Lane, but they're certainly not policing that many games at the Berlin Net anymore. Mm-hmm. Which, which is how it should be and their police are getting much much better with communication with fans the Met are really good Greater Manchester Police Merseyside are really good Northumbria Police but the problem I think is there's no uniformity around the country is is it West Yorkshire? yeah West Yorkshire South Yorkshire they've got a really bad reputation how, how are they doing? based on your experiences in cases that you've worked with 
I think they still go overboard. Yeah. I think, you know, they still police some matches, as, although it's the 80s. And all football matches are graded according to their risk. So, like, when we play each other, it will be a Cat C, which is the worst, or Cat C IR, which is Cat C increased risk. Mm -hmm. But the reality of those fixtures are the vast majority of fans want to go to the game and enjoy the game. You know, there might be a bit of banter. I hate that word, but, yeah. yeah. Um, But the reality is 99% of people... But that they, when they arrive at a station and, you know, there's loads of police there, there might be dogs in the background, the police might be filming. I think that plays into the dynamic almost and hypes the tension. But there's no Yorkshire side in the top flight, so get in there. Yeah. Don't have to face them. (laughs) But, I mean, at West Ham away... I've never seen that many police dogs in my entire life. What are police dogs looking for? They are there to prevent disorder. So if it kicks off, police dogs are, in theory, deterrents. Yeah, so our our stations are there as deterrents. Deterrents, and if it kicks off, you know... Incapacitation. They they are more likely to separate two warring, in theory... More than horses. Crowd control as well. That's like your worst fear as a police dog, isn't it? What's that? Yours. You hate dogs anyway. No, I'm not, I'm not a fan of dogs. But a, a, a yuck, not that I agree with what happened on, on Twitter yesterday. A snarling dog snapping at your heels because Trains. you're on. Mate, I looked at the floor. As soon as I saw a dog, I looked at the floor. Yeah. Didn't even look any West Ham fans in the eye. Straight in <laughs> the ground. No trouble, you know. Just... They're, they're trained to go straight for your balls as well. And you <laughs> <That's, laughs> You read that on the internet somewhere. That isn't true. No, I'm just trying to scare you. Oh. oh did you put, did you put tea bags in your boxing gloves then, Bardi? No, I... No, so, I, but, uh, I Good work, T. So Bardi, Bardi's been uh, bo- boxer size? Or is boxing. It? Boxing. <laughs> <laughs> Fit boxing. Fit boxing. I was the only male in the class, apart from the instructor. You find that every... I'm starting to worry about you. So every exercise class you go to, you always say, I'm the, I was the only male there. Well, it's, it's more to do with my gym. It's not that I'm hanging around like a... You're not some a, sort of a gym pervert. No, no, I'm not like a gym pervert. Well, I don't go to like a nun's gym. I go to a normal, a normal gym. But it's just unfortunate that the only people in this class were women. So Why I had is to it unfortunate? With, well, because I needed someone to, to do pad work with. What, and they weren't strong enough? No, come on, they weren't. No, they weren't. <laughs> no, 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 not because of them, but because of me. I'm, I'm <laughs> sorry for demon okay. in the pod, listeners. I'm really sorry. That's my fault. That's the thing I'm really sorry. What I love about bodies is it's so, so easy to walk him into an alleyway. <laughs> Not because of them, but it's for me. I had so much power in my hands. Do you know what? I'd love Ronda Rousey to be standing there now to choke you out. Oh, no, I'm not hard. I'm not hard at all, but I'm no, no, stronger no. than them. Fucking <laughs> 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 <You know. laughs> But anyway, I learned... <laughs> no, not but anyway. Carry on. No, I learned today that if your boxing gloves are sweaty, you should put um, tea bags in them for two days after, and apparently... No, what you do, you know those little rice bags that you get in mobile phones or shoe yeah, boxes? Yeah. Clip those up. They are brilliant at taking the moisture out. So you forget your tea well. bags. No, I haven't. Oh, okay. um, but I just read silly facts. But yeah, yeah clip those, put them in your boxing gloves, yeah, and they will take the moisture out. Brilliant. So if you wasn't hitting women, why was your hands swollen? Because I was working with the instructor. Oh, and he had to put wraps on in the end because he couldn't because <laughs> you were sitting so hard couldn't deal with it oh, oh mate fuck off but today I, I can't my, I can't grip 
much. I'm really good. pieces. Jesus Christ. I'm not going to go like that about the whole. Let's just move on. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> I was going to say, um, say that um, away tickets have been capped at 30 quid. I mean, are there any other campaigns in, in progress for SF? Um, well, obviously, we're still looking at ticket prices, yeah. but if I do say so myself, I think that's a huge feather in our cap. Mm. But equally, we couldn't have done it without fans around the country doing their own protests. So, yeah, and the, it all round the, to the, that. The are, you, are you sensing a change in fans around the country in terms of um, them lib- feeling a bit more liberated and able to protest and affect change? Definitely, and I think this £30 price cap will galvanise supporters because yeah. it, it can't not can it you know although what's the point it's never going to change well it has changed I think um, the Liverpool walkout even though that was about their home prices yeah. I think that might have been a bit of a catalyst as well Yeah. and I think um, you know if the protests had continued it would have damaged the Premier League brand wouldn't it because those images yeah. would have gone around the world and I know the Liverpool fan owners were very very badly stung by I don't know if you've seen it there's there's a clip of all the Liverpool fans walking out singing you greedy bastards and nothing's yeah. yeah. up. Mm. But they were called greedy, really hurt, yeah. apparently, from what I understand. Yeah, and, and fucking right. You know what I mean? It's not, it isn't even if they're aware that they're being greedy. It's sometimes you have to be made, it has to be blatantly said to your face, you're behaving like a prick. And that's what ha- was happening there. F- um, who is it? Who owns them? It's, I thought it was F- um, Fenway. Fenway. Yeah, Fenway Sports. Probably just for this is the way it is in England. <laughs> um, we're getting all of this money from from uh, overseas syndication of the Premier League rights, and it's normal for fans to be charged this much. And the Liverpool fans, you know, they get a lot of stick, you know, claiming victims and, and, and that kind of stuff all the time. Um, but to, 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 to work together and, and, and to form and, and to be organised in a way that English fans are not, and that it's no coincidence this has happened in, in Merseyside where... You know, the, the, the strikes in the 80s and all the problems there with the government, and they're kind of socialist left leaning, so they're always going to be more mobilised. But it's so good that they're using that energy and, and, and kind of uh, uh, like a, a militancy. Militancy, but it's kind of in their blood, is mm. what I'm trying to get at. They're using that for something like, like this. And, and while they were talking about their own tickets, I don't think it was. It was Beyond them to, to realise that there was going to be a wider impact. Here. It was noted, and everyone else took note, took notice of it. I, I think the reaction to it from other fans, even fans who are not keen on Liverpool, I think everyone respected them for for what they did. Mm. I mean, maybe there are a few people who've been a bit obtuse, so maybe there's more fifty nine pound tickets, which which over the whole season might cost more than those expensive ones. But, but the clever dicks. Yeah, there's always yeah, yeah. There's, there's always, always clever dicks. There's, yeah. there's always obtuse people on Twitter. Yeah, but, um, you can ignore them. But um. But no, I think a lot of people respected Liverpool for what they did that then walking out. Maybe they say, well, you shouldn't have been in the stadium in the first place. But, oh, but that's the point in time, isn't it? I, I said a number of weeks ago here, well, you know, if you don't go to Tottenham, then you're not feeding the machine. Well, I like watching Tottenham. Yeah. Well, I'm just, what am I not going to go for? No, get, no, no one ever should ask you, T, under any circumstances, to not go and follow your football club. But, I mean, to, but, for, but it's your right yeah. as a supporter, as a member, as someone who goes regularly and someone who just loves Tottenham to, to, to make a stand at some stage. Well, and you're not less of a fan. Actually, you're more of a fan if you're, if you're you know, trying to make positive change. I mean, the way, the way tickets are priced, a lot of it, it has priced a lot of people out, and I respect that. I'm in a position, fortunately, where I'm not completely priced up. I do recognise that the ticket pricing is, not, is counterproductive in a, in a lot of ways. Um, but this away tickets thing, I think it's a very much a um, watershed moment. 
in, in, in England and in the Premier League. And this for three years. I don't know what will happen. Over, I don't know what will happen after the three years. I don't think anyone would allow this to be slipped. Now the momentum's up. The tsunami is coming. We all just <laughs> got to get our surfboards and surfboards and ride it into town. Exactly. Um, when when the news came through in the FSF office, was it like everyone going mental? You know, like, yeah, like well, last days of Gamora. Yeah, Wolf of Wall Street, people tearing their clothes <laughs> off. Yeah, like, yes! flying yeah, off. Yeah, yeah, just throwing them around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just absolute debauchery, mental scenes. In the, is that what happened when this comes Well, I, I mean, I work from home, so I'm not with everybody else. Of course. I'm from Sunderland. Yeah, um, I wouldn't have expected but that. But Kevin Miles, our chief exec, was in a meeting with yeah. Dave Rose. I got the press release about 10 to 1. I think it was embargo to 1 o'clock. I had to read it three times. Yeah. I thought, well, I read it first, I thought, no, I've not understood that. Yeah. Then I've read it again, I thought, I actually have, and then I had to read it a third time, and I was like, I've just got a massive buzz, because I yeah. thought, you know, I've, I've been part of this, tiny weeny part, yeah. but I work for the FSF, and it, yeah, I was really bloody proud. It was ama- I imagine, like, it was like Mandela reading about the, the end of the apartheid. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the wall coming down in Germany. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> David Hasselhoff on the stage, yeah, yeah. doing a guitar solo as the wall goes down. <laughs> it, was, it, was that, it was that level of shock. It's like, finally we've done it! We're free! <laughs> free! Yeah. You're not the clans. But we've we actually got a question for you from Neil Admond on Facebook. And he says, what, if any, progress has there been politically with the Safe Dundon campaign? And do you think we'd like to see it being introduced in the, in the Premier League in the foreseeable future? Um, obviously, the Hillsborough inquests have been going on, so that means we've really quietened down on what we've done publicly, but there's still yeah. been behind-the-scenes work going on. So as soon as the inquests are over, we're going to ramp it back up. But I can't see it not being introduced. Um, it's introduced in Celtic now, um, all over Europe. There's how, long, absolutely... how long has Celtic had it for? Just a season. OK, I mean, is it, yeah. is it going fine? No, actually, thing? have they got it? No, it's, no, not, it's starting next season. Oh, yeah, it's but, not there but yet, yeah. they, I mean, that was an almighty great big battle for them to get it, but they won, and they're, they're now going to have an area with these rail seats in. I, I, can, I can't see it not happening, and I know that various grounds who are expanding have actually factored in the possibility can of... Can you confirm that that's happened at Tottenham? No. OK, because I said something being, being recorded the other day, and... Uh, I said that yes, this is hundred percent. This has happened, and the news first says, and we're definitely going to get rail season seating if the government put pass it and say it's okay. And then this moment, like, do you know the, the moment you think it was that 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 moment you knew you'd fucked up? <laughs> it's like, it all went still, and I was like, I don't know if that's true. I've just, just said this. I out. watched that. I thought that was just my computer buffering. Yeah. <laughs> was it? Was it that bad? It was, no, this, no, it was which, fine. Okay, it, was fine. it came across all right. This, we're talking about the Social Club yeah, live thing on what's wrong with modern football. You can watch that on the Bull Street YouTube channel now. It's an hour-long discussion on what we think is wrong with football. It's good. I'll watch. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Now, I think it would be naive of any club planning to expand or move not to factor in areas for safe standing. Just hypothetically, if it did happen at Tottenham, could you imagine, given the fact that we've got that cop, We've got the biggest cop, uh, biggest single stand in Europe outside of Dortmund. And if there was, I don't know if it's possible, if there was 15,000 row seats, which were turning to 25,000, 30,000. Oh, my God. It'd be good. That'd be, be amazing. But good is a bit of an understatement. Good is boxer size. <laughs> <laughs> boxing fit. But, all right, sorry. Boxing fit. <laughs> boxing, one or the other. No, uh, I mean, it, it'll, it'll be amazing. And... Um, I mean, the work that FSF do, like, I mean, Spirit of Shankly and the THST, I mean, they're doing some great work. And um, 
it's changed the way you I mean I mean, me personally, before doing this podcast, I wasn't aware of the AMF movement and, you know, how fans were mistreated to a degree. And I think you guys do do a great job. Thank you very much. Um, how, do, how are you guys funded? Do you, well, how do you like, work? What? There's a fund called the Sports Fund that's managed by various stakeholders and we, like, kick it out, Supporters Direct and Level Playing Fields all apply to that fund. For and, money. And, uh, I mean, it's, 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 it is an incredible thing. And um, it, it's... As football fans going to <coughs> going to the game, sometimes it's you kind of realise that you know it's, it's often that you go to a football match and you think you've been treated poorly by police. Sometimes the club itself, most often by stewards, and and to know that there's an organisation like the Football Sports Federation that kind of are going to stand up for uh, your your rights or at least understand your position because often you feel like you kind of the way you're treated is very much them and us. Especially, I mean, especially at away games, you do feel like you're the enemy. I mean, obviously, the home fans don't want you there. Mm. But you almost feel like the police are almost kind of, you know, got their eye on you too. I mean, at the West Ham game, for example, we were penned in for ages after the game. Yeah. It's not a dig at West Ham as a club. It's just something that I've noticed that. I mean, it's mainly at um, London derbies. Um, I went Chelsea away last season, and there was a massive bottleneck, almost, I mean... Not on the same level as Hillsborough, but it's a bit like Dortmund, actually, where yeah. I don't think all of the ticket turnstiles are open. There must have been about 3,000 fans all piling. The police didn't really care. Mm. And sometimes it's easy to really just be disheartened by all that. But, um, I mean, it's important that fans know that there are <coughs> that there is a group out there who are prepared to help you and, and know where you're coming from. It, so that's kind of from the fans' perspective. Is there is there anything that fans can do that would help your situation in, in, in terms of representing fans in, 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 in front of police, do, do fans behave in a way you think, well, that's not really helpful? Yeah, I mean, this this relatively new thing about jumping around on the concourse and chucking beer everywhere, you know, I don't want to sound like someone's miserable mum, mm. but why? Um, well, they would say it was fun. Well, I, I dare say it's fun, and to be fair, I've, there are some clips on YouTube and it's clear that they are having the absolute time of their lives. <laughs> um, but the problem is, it means other people... Don't yeah. you know? Would I go down to a concourse and get drenched in beer? I really wouldn't want to, and neither would a lot of fans. Mm. And it is viewed as antisocial behaviour. So when the when there's meetings to decide on away allocations, behaviour like that is factored in. So yeah, behaviour could. Yeah, but... I mean, pyro is another one. I, I wrote a blog about two and a half years ago. So if Cairo carries on, you're going to see more police, you're going to see more stewards, you're going to see sniffer dogs and your allocation is going to be affected and you're going to be virtually strip searched on the way in. And that is more or less exactly what's happened because some idiots want to let off Pyro. You can swear. I'm a lady, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, yeah, some fucking twats want to let off there the smoke go. bomb to get as something that... Again, I don't want to sound like... Um, stuffy and all the rest of it but the fact is it does impact on other fans and it does impact on how you're policed and stewarded I've, I've known you for uh, three or four years now Amanda and, and stuffy stuffy isn't one of the things I would, uh, <laughs> I would attribute to you um, if anyone understands the the plight of football fans given the the most of the football fans that you would deal with wouldn't be the everyday fan that you would that the, you and I would come across so they're, they're, they're fans for some of them might get caught up in trouble some yeah. might court trouble uh, some might behave in ways that attract attention from the police, and your role is to be a, 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 a 
neutral and non-judgmental. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you're not being stuffy. Don't worry All about right. that. Um, I remember on, uh, on one of the podcasts it was on previously, I remember you saying you used to get phone calls at like seven in the morning from <laughs> some like drugged up fans and oh my God, you know, I don't know what I did yesterday, but <laughs> can you help? <laughs> Yeah, that, that's happened. I what, also... There was no more information. I don't know what I did yesterday, <laughs> yeah. but can you help yeah. me? <laughs> something similar to that. I'm, I'm locked out of my house. Yeah. My wife's left me. me. Where are you? I've no family. Help me, Amanda. <laughs> I don't know why, but when I see that on Twitter, I was just like, my wife left me. Just those words in the tweets. Thinking, oh, what are you saying that for? But, <laughs> but I remember Amanda said in the previous pod that people just phoned her like, randomly saying, oh, you know, I don't know what the fuck I did yesterday, but... Yeah, and, and also people ring me up and they think that I was born yesterday <laughs> and they kind of... Right. Yeah, gloss over what they've done. But actually, the flip side of that is... Can you is, give us an example, um, Well, yeah, anyway... I've a settled case. All right, <laughs> not a very old one. This sticks in my mind. Um, bloke rang me up, proper geezer, yeah. and um, he said, yeah, I've been nicked for disorder, right? And um, got got in a cab, and he, I asked this cabbie to take me to the pub. I didn't know where it was or who'd be in there. Anyway, as I turned up, all these chairs were coming out the window. <laughs> <and everything. laughs> and I just thought, yeah, right. Like, yeah, you had yeah. no knowledge whatsoever <laughs> of that at all. So, so knowing that you know that this guy is guilty... What? Not innocent before guilty, but yeah, no, not, I know, yeah, I know, I know. No, not. in the eyes of the law, but in the eyes of yeah. common sense, you know that he's uh, he's he's bashed someone up with a chair or whatever. What? How does that affect the way you? Um, that doesn't affect the way you do your job because you're professional, but um, don't doesn't it kind of taint what you feel about football fans or, or no, some? No, I, I I actually find it quite amusing and quite quaint that they're trying that to, they're trying but yeah. I just have to say to them look everything you told me is incompetence having just told the whole story on a podcast but yeah. it's yeah, very right, yeah it's but fine. anyway um, it's only going to be shared with the solicitor it's going to come out in the wash anyway if you if you think that hiding something is going to help well it's really not so yeah. just tell me but one thing I do find really really sweet is nine times out of ten the blokes that ring me up are so polite and so courteous Aww. and they never swear and sometimes people have been nicked for swearing. So I say, well, tell me what you said. Oh, I'd rather not. And I was like, oh, <laughs> what is that about getting nicked for swearing? What? Why is it? But there is a part, when you go to watch football, a part of you does come out. So you can understand that they, they might be like they've never done it before. But you watch the football, you get caught up with a moment. You've had a couple of beers and you might say... You might say what, what words you would never say. What, but what? What's happened? I haven't done anything. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't done anything. <laughs> I haven't done anything. <laughs> what have you done, Barney? What have you done? What have you done? That reminds me of uh, a game at your place. We were in the away section and we were losing, but then we scored, and so obviously we do what we did, and I'm afraid I was gesticulating in a certain way. Yeah. Anyway, I happened to catch this man's eye, and he was this old boy, and he was absolutely immaculate from top to toe. <laughs> And he just looked at me with such disdain. Disdain, and he was like, "So I had to turn this into a." One of the, 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 the sights that please me most about football is the obligatory uh, wanker sign. You see it at every single game. I've thrown a few in my life. If you're not proper proper football, yeah. you're not a proper football fan if you haven't thrown a couple of wanker signs inside the, the stadium. The, the thing is, is that these people are. Are oh, you? You? Yeah. You? You? You're a wanker, mate. You're a wanker. What? Outside? Outside? Get outside. When we're outside, that's true. Straight now on the street. But these it's, pe- oh, it's brilliant. I love it. These people are solicitors, lawyers, these people are us. doctors, working factories. Yeah. 
I mean, it, when, since it gets at the ground, it's just different people all together. Yeah. It, it's, it's adult theatre, isn't it? It's yeah. adult pants. It's exactly yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Some of my favourite 1882 mo- moments are when we pick somebody in the opposition's crowd. Oh, God, yeah. And we just don't, for the whole game, we just don't let them sit down. There was one where there was a guy, a Spurs fan, who was wearing a yellow puffer jacket. Do you yeah. remember that? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. For out, yeah. And the banana. The banana. Yeah. <laughs> it went on for 20 minutes. But it was, and there was another one that I remember, the Burnley fan with the long hair and the beard. And we just called Jesus. him Jesus. Yeah. 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 We just called him Jesus. And he was singing it, to be fair. Yeah. This is great. That's what's great. That's what I love about 1818, which I miss so much this season. Just the, the off the cuff singing. The impromptu stuff. And, and uh, Amanda knows who sat with us at Hull. Yeah. At home. Uh, we were beating them penalties, actually. Penalties, yeah. um, that was at a time when. I thought that was a mental time when. Uh, we, there, was, there was articles being written in, in the Guardian and the Times. Well, the game before we'd beaten Hull. Yeah, one nil in the league, and AVB had come out and criticised the fans, and mm. it just happened that the next game was Hull again in the, in the League Cup. And then they'd done they'd done a um, the, the journalists had put in a what was that the sound you, test? The, no, 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 not that, not that. Uh, when they put in a, a freedom of information request, from yeah, the, was it from Tottenham or Harringay Council? It would have been the council. Yeah, and uh, they said that they there was movements from from Tottenham to try and stop 1882 from being able to attend games, and I was like. That, doesn't sound true. Exactly. At all. And that was the game you... you I came along, didn't came I? Along he was in that Nicola Bursi song that I couldn't yep. get out of my head for a week. Good, good. Uh, Which that, I thought we made up, but we, it's a West Ham song we stole. Yeah, Luda McCluskey. Yeah, I didn't know that either. No. I knew that. I was hoping Bada would have mentioned it. Sorry. He apologised. That's there good. It's progress. Um, yeah, and, uh, and it came out and The Guardian had, had written this massive... Um, headline saying Spurs uh, uh, Tottenham moved to uh, drown out supporters group and uh, we contacted the club and was like is this right and it's like no it was it's usually the, uh, the local councils that force clubs to behave in a certain way isn't it I think there is generally a fear of the crowd anyway you know in, in any context but then add turn football fans into that crowd and football culture and how we express our identity is just misunderstood and I think that's been a hurdle with the whole safe standing thing Mm. over the years because all people see is groups of fans mobbing together and they think oh you know fans stand up it's going to turn them into these Neanderthal Mm. knuckle dragging you've just Mm. that's quite impressive and you're still standing up Uh, yeah I've I've nailed another Bells anyway sorry that's (laughs) right Bells is a drink not a a person but I mean it's so I Sorry, that's horrendous, isn't it? Yeah, that's a, not yeah, in, the, not no. in the company of a lady. Um, but at so-called atmosphere groups, I think, are feared, and a lot of fans who form them have had to really battle with their clubs to be allowed to take in drums. Do you and everything have much? Else. Co- do you have much contact with atmosphere groups in, in general? Is that out of your remit? Oh no, no, I talk to them, and yeah. they often come to me for advice. I'm, I'm Borough Middlesbrough is a really, really good example because they've got a group called Red Faction, yeah. And it was their, their relationship with the club was so fractious; it was awful. And you know, this, this group of young kids, about 150 of them, surrounded by like nightclub bouncers, all they wanted to do was create an atmosphere. I mean, yeah. that that all got ironed out thanks to a guy called Anthony Emerson, who was the supporter liaison officer there. Yeah. And now that, that you know the club love them, embrace them, they're using all their advertising material. The home cell fanatics at Palace are another group yeah. that are, you know everyone gives. I mean, some people say they're naff and everything else, but I think a lot of fans who go there as away fans come away really impressed with the atmosphere that uh, they create. We, there. Yeah, yeah, we had it recently with Dortmund at home. Um, a lot of people called them naff as well, which I, which I personally I don't agree with, but it does happen. 
Yeah, uh, yeah. It's just it's a, a, it's a I, question I, of taste, isn't it? I, I just think there's a kind of resistance to anything that isn't kind of traditionally English support, and I can understand that to a certain degree because there's a way of doing things in England when it comes to football. Uh, there are certain aspects of Dortmund support that I really liked. I hate the flags because they had men, the cartoons, smoking marijuana. And I don't have an issue with marijuana. I'm not, obviously, people listen to the podcast have got no issue with drugs at all. But I've got an issue with drugs, but not an issue against them morally. Uh, so you're, you're the issue is you the, can't get enough. I can't, I can't <laughs> put enough in my face. <laughs> you're not against the flags, you're just against the, the design of the flags. Yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the, just putting marijuana leaves on a flag yeah. in a football. What but the fuck? I think Martin Cloak said himself that... Um, their fans would rather make more songs and do the drumming and all the rest of it. And that's what our fans, that's what our fans in England want. They'd rather us make up more songs off the cuff than just have drums and the whole TIFO and display thing. But yeah. without going back into the, the support debate, the problem is when it's off the cuff, is there's going to be ebbs and flows. There's going to be points in the game where there is no atmosphere. And if the well, that's, 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 that's better. I mean, we even said in the pod last week yeah. that with, with Dortmund, they scored and it just stayed at the same level. Yeah, it was weird. It was like they scored a goal and it's like they hadn't scored. That The fans couldn't up the ante because they're exhausted, probably. Yeah. So this, it I mean, was very strange. I wouldn't want that. I'd, I'd rather just, just ebb and flow with the game. It's even better that way. I would rather have that than some of the silence at White Lane sometimes. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's a case of extremes, isn't it? Yeah. Well, at, at the away game, they have that wall which keeps going and then the rest of the fans will ebbs and flows yeah, yeah. you've got that constant kind of like almost like a drum beat in the background of them and then when they play well the re- everyone else kicks in and joins in I, I went like. to um, Man- Derby Man United with Man United fans for the cup game for 90 minutes it was the absolutely I'm getting like goosey just thinking about it yeah. 90 minutes of non-stop noise different yeah. songs clapping and it was a, you know apart from my own experiences with with West uh, with West Ham and Tottenham Tottenham at Hull that one yeah that was, was equally that, as the thing good. is good. <laughs> but, but to be amongst that support for 90 minutes you know that that's what I watched on telly as a kid and that's what attracted yeah. me yeah. to football and I think there's probably a lot of people watching that at home thinking shit I would love if my club had that level of support and if the clubs just understood that they could embrace this and, and, and actually use it yeah. to kind of sell, sell selling point. Club. yeah it's a selling point like just in, in, instead of thinking Music what's why what, 9 million decibels before kick off yeah. yeah yeah like just say look, look he, this is what coming to White Hart Lane is about it's not about sitting down and being comfortable it's about experiencing traditional English support if they would if the club would help us and uh, they uh, for the record, Tottenham have been great for 1882. They really have. Um, J- Jonathan Waite, supporters of the A's and officer, have been fantastic. I've always said it on the pod, and I always will until the, the situation changes. But they could actually up the ante a little bit. They could actually work with us and say, this is what we want to create. This is what we think would be fantastic. And then we think, right, if you're giving us carte blanche to do this, not pyros, knives, mm. bats and dogs, but, <laughs> but, but you know, passion and atmosphere and a collectiveness inside the stadium then that if everyone's thinking the same way in the same way they do at Dortmund because mm. you remember when Dortmund was in in 1996 I think it was on the brink of going out of business decided to remodel rebuild it was, uh, it was later than that what was it 2006 probably because they won a Champions League in 1996 or 97 right so, 97. So, so 2006 so at some point they were on the brink of uh, collapse and yeah. they, they essentially rebuilt the club but with the fans at the centre of it it's not a difficult thing, even if it's not quite right or it's not 100% authentic. It's not a difficult thing to actually listen to the fans and, and, and encourage us to, 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 to behave in a certain way, which isn't 
antisocial. I mean, sadly, the only way that happens is if a club almost goes out of business. Um, Brentford, I believe, are owned by the fans. Palace almost went out of business, and I believe they've got a similar situation where they've got a bunch of people on the board who listen to the fans. They have. Hopefully it won't have to get to that degree where Spurs have to get fucked up to a point where they say, you know what, we need you, help us. Well, with a bit of proactiveness, they won't get to that stage. But the, the very fact that you have to talk to the club about what you want to do is almost indicative of the problem, isn't it? Yeah. And, and I think the inherent <coughs> nervousness of your intentions, what it's going to turn into, and also the fear of, oh, we mustn't upset the other fans. You know, people might write in and complain well, if they do, then perhaps they're not at the right sport. But yeah. a club's not going to tell them that, are they? You know, if I go complain about Marks and Spencers, they're not going to say, we'll go and shop somewhere else, are they? So I, I get all of that. But, you know, go, going back to the music, I think that is absolutely definitely used as a form of crowd control. Yeah, the music... At Tottenham, they played two videos now before the game. They played one with um, Trigger, which is fine, but then they've got another one, which is just it's oppressive, and it's just it almost... It's so forceful that you almost, like, almost have to sit down. What video is that? The Ready or No? Oh, dear. Well, at West Ham, they actually play a pre-recording of Bubbles and then they turn it off halfway through. Uh, it's just Chelsea actually um, put the words for um, blue as a colour. And you know you've got the ball buzzing on each word mm-hmm. as the fans sing it? Really? They have that. And the flag at Arsenal. I'm sorry, but that, but that is, is just so incredibly... No Arsenal fan will be listening, so I'm not worried about offending anyone. Some of them do, weirdly. Uh, when we're doing it, freaky weirdos. If you are listening to it, then don't. Uh, all right, so... Uh, <laughs> Keep downloading. We've got one, one, one question before we end, because it's been a long second half. Um, uh, Rachel V. Martin on Twitter. So there's a... Uh, Okay. Uh, it says, how should we celebrate the last season of Water Lane? Where's balance between commemoration, commemoration and exploitation and tackiness? That's uh, a really good question. Uh, how do you celebrate it? It's, it's hard. It's hard to really say. How, how do you celebrate over um, twenty-five games? It's difficult to really say. So, how do we celebrate well, the last season? Well, yeah. Amanda, you're seeing it now at the moment at Upton Park. How are West Ham? Doing it. I'm not sure about what the final plans are. Um, I mean, the noble testimonial, I think, was a goodbye for a lot of fans who haven't got season tickets, and everybody was full of praise with how that went. I, I, I'd agree with Rachel, it, it can't be tacky, and whatever West Ham do has got to come from the fans. But I actually read today there's plans um, afoot some film company are filming some crappy London gangster thing right. set in a football stadium where these gangsters take all the fans hostage and they want to actually blow up the Berlin. Sorry, fuck off. <laughs> you you, you do not end all of that history and heritage by blowing it up in some tacky gangster They want to film. actually blow it up. Do you know actually what? Blow, it's it's so standard tonight. Hopefully it's just bollocks. <laughs> you said that, but I think that actually a massive bonfire... Like, let's just set fire to White Hart Lane and see it off like in what? Hang, your like the like Indian funeral. Yes, like a wicked man. Like, like, or a, or a, man. a Viking. Because a wicked man's negative, but like, you know, the Viking funerals where they fire the arrow into. And then all the fans yeah. around London actually. We all know, get like a match. We, we look up it and then there's this massive blaze and you think. There it goes. What we do is we... We'll, we'll, we'll see you we'll in the We'll burn the stadium down. Yeah, burn it <laughs> as down. As a farewell. Do you know what? I've, uh, this is a bit of a theme for me because there's a Charlton fan in the... In, in the uh, there's a Charlton <laughs> fan in, the, in... This happens at the end of every podcast. There's a Charlton fan in, in the office and he was talking about all the troubles that Charlton have had. And I was saying, just burn the stadium. 
I keep like just burn it. You didn't say that at White Hart Lane. I no. think you're a bit of a pyromaniac. Was that you? Categorically, I didn't. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I've the hashtag no pyro, no party. No pyro, no party. <laughs> but you, you, yeah, you, and they said it's the only asset we have. It's the only thing we actually own is Charlton, and that's a, that's the message. Burn everything you have. We could do like a petrol tank and drive it down the high roads, and then at Seven Sisters, drop a match and just watch it go. Yeah. So burn Tottenham <laughs> down. <laughs> no, no, because it would, it would follow the trail of petrol. Yeah. To Tottenham, to Arley. No, but I personally, rather than, I wouldn't want to burn it. I, w- I reckon a couple of like the Ledley King testimonial still keeps getting talked about. A couple of nice testimonials that actually mean something. <coughs> players the only people legible, it'd be Defoe and maybe. I don't know, but I, no, I'm not saying a testimonial. I say let's get like a commemoration. A commemoration. Of the, of the, all the I, players who are still alive. And I don't know how. I genuinely don't know how I'm going to be able to cope because I. I I don't actually, I still to this day don't actually want to leave. I want to stay, I like White Hart Lane, I like the way it is. Chain yourself to the gates. No, we're not leaving. I mean, I get it that you're, all those memories and all that history in the, in the walls and everything else. Yeah. But unlike us who have got a whole new area to go to, whole new match routines will have to be developed. Yeah. For you fans, everything will remain the same. Yeah. You'll sh- still go to the same pub, the same for match date. Yeah. Without doubt, it's worse. I would be much, I'd be, I'd be angry having you to move. You could go to like, Nando's and stuff in Westfield before the game. That would be great, wouldn't it? Not. <laughs> well, start a fight. Start a fight in Nando's with women. <laughs> uh, but no, don't get too naughty. Just chuck the lemon and herb sauce, not the, like the red hot one. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's, I, I don't know how I want to cope, and we're, we're going to have to deal with this on the podcast coming coming closer to to, to when that happens. But it's, it's a good question. I don't know what the answer is. You got you got an answer for it? I don't. We will we'll, we'll think of something that's really good, but it's just a bit early. It's, it's hard to say. I mean, season, I mean, we'll be in the Champions League that final season. I guess the best thing would be to win it. Win the Champions League. So exactly. if we get to the semi final, that'd be our last ever European game at White Hart Lane, and there's a there's a good history with European games at White Hart yeah. Lane. I had a so, mental image then of uh, a, somehow like a collective image of uh, the last game. Everyone just <laughs> just gets completely naked and just stands. <laughs> <laughs> the pitch. No, no, not 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 runs on the pitch. Weirder, weirder. Naked. Everyone just stands still, not saying anything, not acknowledging naked. the fact that everyone's naked. Yeah, balls out if you love Tottenham. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but like balls no, for Tottenham. And, and everyone's just clapping passionately. <laughs> Completely start by oh, the you know, Dortmund have everyone. No one looking at each other. Just looking straight at the pitch. Dortmund have, you know, where everybody jumps. We can have everybody just swinging their hips <laughs> and then be like the, the part lane doing the helicopter. I think that, I think On that, that bombshell. <laughs> yeah. That I think we should call it a day. about running around Tottenham with you. Yeah. Oh my <laughs> good God. Um, yeah, all right. Well, that is the end of the Fine Cock podcast. But why we can't. This, that's, this is the Fine Cock. This is Tottenham. Exactly. TRT. Passionately clapping, staring, hundred uh, thousand yard yeah. stare. Anyway, uh, Amanda, thank you so That's much for coming pleasure. on the thank pod. You. Um, it's been a pleasure, and obviously uh, the Football Sports Federation, as we've said many times over the last hour. What's their been. website? www.fffootballsforsupportersfffederation.org.uk. And what's your Twitter handle? Mine, I am fsf underscore faircop. Yes. Oh, so if you have any problems at the football... Ring me, email me, tweet me. Hopefully not at 7am going... No, not at I don't know what's happened, help me. 7am <laughs> nose duck. <laughs> what did I do? <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully not that. Um, but I, that may, I might give you a call on Sunday morning. Okay. <laughs> All right, that's it for the Fighting Cock podcast. Mate. Uh, T, thank you so much. Hello, Barley, everyone. thanks a lot. And, uh, yeah, it's been me. It's been good. Good pod, good pod, good second half. Very enjoyable. Good. It's the fighting.
fighting. Clock. It's the fighting. It's the fighting. Clock. A camel turn up. Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners' or renters' coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Sports Social Podcast Network.